We started a series um, just a few weeks ago, and this series has been based on uh, the wilderness of Jesus, just his encounter in the wilderness uh, with the enemy. If you'll recall, the Spirit leads him out into the wilderness, and the enemy tempts him with, with three temptations that we see. You've looked at the first two, uh, the first one being turning bread or turning stones to bread, like just testing the idea of are you going to try and prove yourself? If you are the Son of God, prove yourself. If you are, if you are. Prove yourself. Uh, the enemy still does that to us today. And then uh, the next temptation, if you are the son of God, uh, if God is truly your father, that's the enemy's test. If God is truly your father, why don't you test him in that? Like jump off the temple. He'll save you. Uh, he still tries to, to tempt us with, with testing God, that, that we feel like we've got to have God prove something to us. God has already proven himself through Jesus Christ. He's already proved everything he needs to prove by sending his son to die for our sins. What, is, what else is there for him to prove? Yet the enemy consistently, uh, the world consistently tries to tell us that God needs to prove himself. We're going to continue in this message. And as we get there, we'll just start and we'll read the fullness of this passage in, in the book of Matthew. Uh, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry and the tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it's written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it's also written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give to you, he said, if you'll bow down and worship. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him and angels came and attended him. I'm going to look at these last few verses of this passage, 8 through 11, if it'll get there. There we go. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God only. Uh, What's the temptation here? What is the enemy doing with Jesus? He takes him to a a very high mountain. I think the perspective is the peace. And what does he say to him? I'll give you what? I mean, this is the temptation, right? I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. All their splendor. Uh, He looks at Jesus. It's funny this time the temptation isn't started with an identity thing. We're not talking about if you are. If you are the son of God, who God is. We're not talking about proving yourself this time. I mean, we tried that twice. It didn't work. So we just go straight to the temptation. We're not worried about your identity. We're not worried about God's identity right now. Here's what I want to come at you with. Here's all the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you them. So when I read this as a reader, I ask myself, Does he have the authority, does Satan have the authority to offer what he's offering? Like, isn't that a fair question? Like, if someone says they're going to give you a hundred bucks, you might want to know if they have a hundred bucks or not. Like, if you know them and you know they never carry a hundred bucks with them and and they don't have anything, then what's the point of the promise? I mean, it's not really that much of a temptation. Uh, But the question that I ask myself when I read these verses is, does the enemy, does Satan have the authority to give Jesus what he's offering right now? Well, if you look through Scripture, it seems as though he does. In John, 
in the book of John, the gospel of John, three different times he's referred to in the same way as he's referred to in this verse. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. Uh, he refers to him as the prince of this world several times. Second Corinthians chapter 4, the God of this age. He's blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And the last one I want to read, 1 John chapter 15. That's not 1 John chapter 15. Uh, I know that for a fact because there's not 15, 15 uh, uh, ch- chapters in John. It's probably chapter 5, uh, if I'm guessing. Um, we all know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are the children of God, that the whole world is under what? Of who? So we're living in a world, and Jesus is in this midst of temptation, and the enemy is saying to him, he has some control, he has some authority over the kingdoms of the world. And he's saying to Jesus, now what was Jesus' purpose in coming? Why did Jesus come to this world? Pretty simple, Luke 19. Jesus came for one purpose. What was that purpose? To seek and save that, uh, the lost. In John chapter 3, we know these verses. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to this earth for a purpose. That purpose was simple, to seek and save that which was lost. He came to, to, to seek and save the kingdoms that the enemy was offering him, right? I mean, wasn't that the purpose of Jesus Christ? Isn't that what he came to accomplish? I find it compelling that when we read this account, the temptation account in the book of Luke, I think it's in Luke chapter 4, it says to him that, that, that the enemy took him up on a high mountain, and it says, in an instant, he showed him the kingdoms of the world. And those words, in an instant, resonated with my heart. Because really, what I feel like the temptation is this morning that we're going to talk about, what I feel like the temptation the enemy is trying to make is that there is an instant way for the plans of God to be accomplished. He's trying to reveal the easy way in order to accomplish that which what God wants to accomplish. Jesus Christ came for one purpose, that was to reclaim the kingdoms of the world, right? I mean, that was why he came. That was the purpose in him coming. That was the reason he was sent to this earth, because he had to die an atoning sacrifice for all to believe. That's Gentiles and Jews. That's from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's why Jesus Christ came. And the enemy is looking at him, and in an instant, boy, we live in a microwave society. Anything that takes time isn't worth it. The enemy is looking at Jesus and saying, hey, all that scorn doesn't have to come. All that suffering, forget it. The cross, don't worry about it. I'll give you it all. I'll give you everything. Like we can stop this story right now. It can be done. You just got to bow down. You just got to let me be in charge. And I feel like this temptation 
is a temptation that is continually coming at the church. In our lives, there's a way that God has. There's a plan that God has for us. And there's voices that speak to us and they say, hey, here's the easy way. And you can get it all. Everything you're seeking, everything he's promised, just just do it this way. And Jesus responds. Now, who is Jesus quoted? We'll see if you guys have paid attention or not. Who is Jesus quoted every time when he has responded to the temptation of the enemy? The scriptures, but particularly he's quoted one person. Do you remember who he's quoted? Hmm. We're going to have to start over. Uh, We've gone back to the book of, of Deuteronomy every week. It's Moses. There you go. Every week we've gone back to Moses as he's been leading the Israelites through what stage of their, their journey? The wilderness. We I mean, see there's this correlation that goes from the new to the old. What Jesus is experiencing has really been fulfilled through what happened with the Israelites. And we've looked back at that, that time frame uh, of Moses with, with Jesus. And, and so Jesus is quoting uh, Moses when he says, It's written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So we go back and we can find this in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, when the Lord your God, this is Moses, remember what's happening right now. He's talking to the people of God. He recognizes that he cannot lead them any further. He doesn't get to lead them into the promised land. And so he's given them some reminders. He's kind of saying, hey, remember these things. He's teaching them on the time in the wilderness and just saying, hey, don't lose sight of these things. So he said, when the Lord your God brings you to the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you didn't provide. Wells you did not dig and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then you will eat and be satisfied. Verse 12 says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Verse 13 is the verse in which Jesus is quoting, fear the Lord your God and serve him only. Take your oaths in his name. Um, Do not follow other gods, the gods of people around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. See, Moses has led these people long enough to know that they got a problem. And their problem is a lot of times they just turn to other gods. What happened to Moses when he was on the mount receiving the covenant from God? Remember that story? He's up on the mount and he's receiving the covenant from God and it has taken too long while he's up on the mountain. See, we want things in an instant. And so because it was taken too long, because Moses was gone for too long, the people become restless. They're uncomfortable. Shouldn't take that long. Like, seriously, like he could just send an email with those commandments. It wouldn't matter. And Moses has taken too long on on the mountain, and so what do they do? The people go to Aaron and they say, what? Moses has taken too long. I I think he got lost. I mean, maybe something's messed up. We need to come up with something else. And they say they basically, what Aaron says to Moses is they, they took their gold jewelry off, they threw it in the fire, and out came a calf. And they started to worship this calf. They had a debauchery. They were doing all these crazy things. Moses is up receiving the covenant, the promise of God for the redemption of mankind. And they're now worshiping a golden calf. Why? Because it just took too long. Moses knows his people. 
you're going to where? You're going to go to a promised land. And what's going to happen to that promised land? You're going to have everything you need. Wells you didn't dig, goods you didn't have to earn. You're going to have it good. And what else is going to be in the promised land? There's people. And guess what those people have? Other gods. I know you guys well enough, Moses is saying. That a lot of times the easy way is just to do what everybody else is doing. A lot of the times the easy way when you've got everything you need, when you've got all that there is, is just to say, I don't need God anymore and lose sight of God. And he warns them. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only. And take your oaths in his name. Don't follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who was among you was a jealous God. The enemy says to Jesus, here's an easy way. I'll give you everything. Just bow down to me. And Jesus says, I can't take the easy way because I've got to take my father's way. Now, I'm not saying God's way isn't easy sometimes. But it better be his way, not my way. It better be his way and not someone else's way. And one thing I've learned in life is everybody's got an opinion on what I should do and how I should do it. Huh? Everyone knows what's best for my life. They can't figure their own life out, but they can sure tell me how to live mine. Everyone's got a a way in which God's plans can be accomplished in in your life or in your ways, and and they're not afraid to share it, but, but we have to have confidence. Now, again, we need to seek counsel. I'm not saying that people can't speak wisdom into our lives, but it must come from the Father, not from man. It must come from the one who is, not from the enemy. We talked last week about how he distorts the truth, how he changes what, what word has been written. And sometimes that word, it, it, it feels good for us. I remember my journey, like what seemed right before we came to Crawford. We got a phone call out of the middle of nowhere from a church in Roanoke, Virginia. Pastor calls me up. He says, hey, um, I heard you guys are looking for a position, and it was a church of three, five hundred people somewhere in there. And he said, I want you and your wife to come down. He said, I need an associate. I'm going to be transitioning out of the church in just a few years, and I want to hand the church over to you. He said, we've got a Christian school, and we need teachers. Your wife's a teacher, so we'll give her a job. I mean, everything in me says, this is it. Like, this is where I'm supposed to go. must be God because it was just a random phone call, right? And so we went and we experienced, and I'm telling you, my way seemed a lot better than his way. And it didn't matter what all red flags were waving. It didn't matter what all situations were screaming that this wasn't right. It didn't matter that the pastor looked at me before we left and he said, you want me to tell you what you did wrong? Doesn't matter. God's in this, right? He said, you didn't ask me about what salary you would make. 
I mean, again, that should be a red flag. I'm not in this for a salary. I'm in this for the kingdom of God. I'm in this to do what God wants me to do. And he's saying, you didn't ask me how much money you'd make. Well, I don't care how much money I'd make if God has called me here. But at that moment, it didn't matter because I wanted the easy way. And then I get a phone call from this guy. And he says, hey, you want to come to a church in Crawford, Nebraska? I said, where's that? Oh, it's a pretty part of Nebraska. Okay. And we come out here and we visit the church and everything was fine. I mean, no offense on myself. This is a pride thing. This wasn't what I dreamed. When I was in Bible college, this isn't what I expected. And then the church never called us back. Walt might have called once or twice, but no one ever said, hey, they want you to come. Okay. And we followed the voice of God. We prayed and we fasted and felt like, well, we prayed and we hunger striked and we felt like God was telling us to come here. We kind of knew in our hearts what God wanted us to do. And we're driving across, and I'm just sharing this uh, just because it's a funny piece of the story. I think we were somewhere about Iowa. We drove from Kentucky. And my wife was in her Jeep and I was in my Jeep. And I think we called each other. And at some point the conversation came up, hey, what are we making? And uh, I'm moving my wife across the country and I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out when we get there. Because sometimes the easy way is in his way. And all I need to do is find his way. All I want to accomplish is what the Father wants me to accomplish. All I want to be is obedient to him who speaks to me. Yeah, we can sing I'm a child of God. But I want to be a child that honors my father. I want to be a child that does what he says even when it doesn't make sense. Because, see, we see this thing come back up with Jesus. Matthew chapter 16 is a portion of Scripture. And I'm telling you, sometimes when we read it, we don't read it with the context of the wilderness. And this just seems like one of these harsh rebukes. Like, you know the story. Verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that what? He what? Hey, things are about to get tough. These guys have been following him. They've been seeing the miracles. They've been seeing the signs. They've been seeing the wonders. And Jesus is saying to them, hey, things are about to change. Things are about to get really tough. He must go to Jerusalem and he must suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, raised a life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me. And when I read that outside the context of the wilderness, well, that's tough. Jesus, I mean, Peter's heart. Seems to be in the right place, right? Like, hey, Master, we're never going to let that happen to you. I mean, he has that problem. He still pulls out the sword. I mean, this is Peter. No, Lord, this, this doesn't have to happen that way. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to die. 
We can, we can figure something else out. There's got to be a different way. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be something else. Don't resolve to that. People can't, people can't persecute you. They can't torture you. They can't do things to you. We'll stand with you. You got the 12 of us. We'll do whatever it takes. I think there's only three times in the book of Matthew we see the, the, the name Satan literally written. The first time was in the wilderness. And this time was with Peter. I truly believe that Jesus is going back to the wilderness and this is the same temptation that he experienced in, in the wilderness. His disciple now. You see, it doesn't always just come from the enemy. This is someone Jesus has trusted. This is someone that Jesus has chosen. This is someone that Jesus said, because of just the, in, the, in the chapter before this, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Like, he just gave him the keys to the house. Right before this. This is someone who Jesus loves. This is someone who Jesus is doing life with. But he's speaking the same temptation that Jesus had to deal with in the wilderness. Yes, there's going to be suffering. Jesus said suffering must come. Trials must come. Persecution must come. Jesus said that that he must die. Paul's saying there's got to be an easier way. And the rebuke is, no, the enemy already tried this once. Get behind me, Satan. It's not happening. I must be obedient to the Father. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You're only thinking of things in your way. You're not thinking of things in his way. You're not worried about what the Father must do. You're not worried about the reality that God has to do this in order to accomplish his plans. In the next chapter of Matthew, Matthew chapter 17, it starts with this incredible moment. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, led him up on a high mountain. Where were they at? Where was Jesus at in the wilderness? Where did the enemy take him? What has Jesus been talking about? The Father's way. He's been talking about the things that must happen, the issues that must be, the reality of what must come before this moment. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here if it's your wish. But I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said what? If you are the son of God. The voice from the cloud said, this is my son, whom I love, and I'm well pleased. Listen to him. The disciples heard this. They fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. As they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This transfiguration in Luke, the two men, that, that, that it says two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure. 
The transfiguration of Jesus where, where the glory of God. Jesus was in the beginning. The word was God. The word was with God. The word made, was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. That glory is what Jesus is compared to in John chapter 1. That glory is what was revealed to the disciples. How were they supposed to get through what was to come? Jesus had been telling them about what the Father must do. And they took him up high on the mountain, that place of temptation, where there's the wrestling with God's way versus my way. And God truly revealed his glory in his son. And he said to to the disciples, they heard this voice speak. This is my son as he was transfigured. Literally, his appearance changed before the disciples. It's the word metamorpho, I believe, is the Greek word that is used there. The metamorphosis of Jesus. His, his physical nature was transformed into the glory of God. And his disciples were given a glimpse of the glory of God, the nature of Jesus Christ on that mountain. Because it was going to be hard. I'm just going to read this in my notes. In his transfiguration, Jesus was transformed into the presence. They saw his heavenly glory as he really was, God in human flesh, to do three things, an encouragement to Jesus as he was about to face death on a cross, an announcement to his disciples, Jesus had to suffer on the cross, and an endorsement by God that this was his true son qualified to redeem the human race. As Jesus begins to reveal God's plan, the fullness of God's plan, You know, he said to these disciples a long time ago, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They came, they followed, they had some good wine. They saw some miracle signs and wonders. And Jesus is saying to them, hey, things are about to change. Things are about to get difficult. Things are about to come that are going to perplex you. Things are about to come that you are not going to understand. It's amazing that he says in Matthew 16, I'm about to do all these things. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And on the third day, I'm going to raise again. But the disciples still didn't have ears to hear because they didn't receive this word and they were without hope when Jesus died, right? I mean, that's the scripture. That's what happens on the Damascus road. But Jesus is doing whatever he can to prepare his people for what is to come. He's saying to them, hey, things are about to get tough. Things are about to get hard. But I want you to know that I am the glory of God. The Father is calling me up to this high mountain, that place of testing, that place of trial, that place of of confusion. And he's going to reveal to you who I truly am. I am the Son of God. I am the one he has sent. I am the one that has come to seek and save the lost. I am the one that has come to bring what? The kingdom of God. Where? To this world. Jesus Christ's message, as he preached all throughout the Gospels, his message consistently is the kingdom of God. Jesus wants to bring his kingdom, the Father's kingdom to this world, not just get the kingdoms of this world. He needs to reveal the kingdom of his Father. Man, there's an easy way. But it's apart from the promise. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? There's a scripture I always come back to. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if Jesus Christ isn't Lord, you forfeited your soul. The Lord's the one who gets to tell you what to do. The Lord's the one who knows the plans that are and reveals them to you. 
He's the Lord of our lives. That's what he needs to be in us, is the one who speaks to us, the one in whose word I can stand upon, no matter what, no matter how foolish, no matter how hard, no matter how easy, no matter how different, no matter how dissonant his word sounds. He's the one I have to stand on because his word is truth, and that's the foundation that I've got to be standing on. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. It doesn't matter what my friends say. It doesn't matter what those I trust say. It doesn't matter what what anyone says but the Word of God, because that's what I'm standing on. Almost preached through a whole water bottle. I'm going to come back, because here's where it comes to us. You know, sandwiched in between the verses that I read in Matthew and the verses in 17, Jesus speaks something to his church. This is cool. Remember Peter, the one he just gave his keys to? The one who just said to him, yeah, let's do this a different way. And he said, get behind me, Satan. After that, he says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. They must take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. God has a plan for you. And part of God's plan is the kingdom's of the world. Jesus Christ said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. That's the kingdoms of the world. Remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8? You know, you're supposed to stay there for a while. And God promises that he will endue them with power from his Holy Spirit, and they will be what? His witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. See, God's got a plan for the kingdoms of the world. That plan is for his kingdom to be revealed in the kingdoms of this world. That plan is for his people, that's you and that's me, to be witnesses in the kingdoms of this world so the kingdom of God can be revealed. Paul says that we are called to be ambassadors of Christ. We represent the kingdom of God in a broken world. Your job, my job, is to bring the kingdom of God to this world. I am the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. God is in me. And where I am, his kingdom is. That's the same for you. Your job, your task, the, the, the situation or circumstance, the purpose, the plan that God has for you is to take his kingdom where you go. And guess what? It might be hard. People might not like it. They might not like you. They may attack you. They might hurt you. But it's what the Father's called me to do. It's the way his plan is accomplished. It's 
But Jesus, in the middle of his suffering, he's talking about what the disciples must do, what followers of Christ must do. At times, we've got to deny ourselves. Yeah, it's a lot easier to blend in. Yeah, it's a lot easier to fit in. Yeah, at times, it's a lot easier to be quiet, or it's a lot easier to say something else. At times, it's a lot easier to look like everyone else. At times, it's a lot easier just to eat off the fat of the land and, and, and not worry about what God has because everything is well. And he's saying, no, you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross and follow me. Like sometimes this path is going to be hard. Sometimes the easy way is not his way. Sometimes there will be suffering. Sometimes there will be trials. But I need to know that the glory has been revealed through Jesus Christ. I need to know that as child of God, as a child of God, this is the benefit we have as New Testament children of God. That when I ask Jesus Christ into my life, when I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for my sins, when I believe that his death brought about the forgiveness of my sin, that the resurrection from from the grave brings about the promise of my eternal life. When I live that way, I've been indwelled with the Holy Spirit. I have become the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in me. I am not alone in this task. The the early church, Acts, when you read the book of Acts, uh, I read uh, in my class, some theologians want to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it's the Acts of the early church, but it's them being compelled by being filled with the Spirit of God. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, when they were filled with the Spirit of God, they began to speak boldly. About him. You guys can come forward. This morning, I want to speak to your hearts. I hope the Spirit of God has been speaking to you already. And, and I want to say to you this morning that, that maybe in some ways you've been feeling this, this temptation. Like that there's been an enemy that's been speaking to you. There's been voices that have been saying to you, hey, there's a way that, that, that you've been trying to go. There's a promise that God has for your life. There's plans that he wants to accomplish. But, but hey, you know, there's an easy way around this. There's an easy way to do this. I mean, we can get this accomplished in an instant. And we've been too busy trying to do things the way that that we see fit, the way that that we want it to be, the way that always feels good and looks good, the way that that makes my flesh satisfied. And God is speaking to you today. The words that he spoke to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This morning I want to say, if there's a wrestling in you about the easy way, if there's a wrestling in you about what, what, what maybe seems right to you, but it seems to contradict the word of God, I want you to be able to listen to what Jesus spoke to his disciples. Deny Deny yourself. Say, God, I can't do it my way. I'm not the author and finisher. And and say the prayer. Declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. God, it doesn't make sense, but you're the Lord. You're the God who will never leave me. You're the God who will never forsake me. You know, I might suffer. It might be hard, but you're going to be there with me every step of the way. I might not know why, but you're going to reveal your glory time and time again that I will not be abandoned, that I will not be forsaken that I will not be alone, that I will not be without hope because my hope is eternal and my salvation is forever because of what Jesus Christ did. What in all creation can separate us from the love of God? 
Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities. There's nothing in all congregation that can separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Yeah, there's going to be things that try, but I can't be separated. Why? Because that's who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm his child. I'm his chosen. And his kingdom must be revealed. Oh, for Peter. Oh, for Jesus. Can you imagine the kingdom not being revealed because of my selfishness? Let us think. Can you imagine the kingdom of God not being revealed because I wanted to go the easy way? Paul's a crazy dude. Read the book of Acts. Dude's not taking the easy way. He's going to places, they're trying to kill him, and what's he do? He like goes back. He goes to places where he knows they don't like him. And what does he do? He confronts and he speaks. And he says, you know, I get, I've been, I, I've been uh, uh, stoned so many times. I've been arrested these times. I, I, I've been whipped. I've been left to die. But the kingdom of God. Amen. But the kingdom of God. There are those but don't know. There are those that are still living under authority that's not my father. Scripture says the God of this eye, the God of this age, he's, he's blinded eyes and he's, he's covered ears. I'm an ambassador of the king. God can use me to speak to blind eyes, to be open. He can use me to speak to deaf ears, to be released, so that people can see and know the love of the Father, the one who sent me. Father, this morning in this room, God, the the temptation of in an instant. The uncertainty that comes, God, when we have to wait. I pray for us to be strengthened and encouraged by the Spirit of God. The one who you sent that we would have power. God, for those that are wrestling with an easy way, a way that may seem right to men, a way that may seem right to those that are around them, a way that may seem right uh, to everyone who talks to them. But God, they know in their heart of hearts this isn't the way of the Father. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them this day, not your way, but my way. 
God, I pray that they would be standing firm on the Word of God. I pray that they could be standing firm on the plans of God, the promises of God, not looking for for something else, but looking to You, the author and finisher, the perfecter of our faith. And that, God, when we need to speak, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, temptation, to do this a way other than that which the Father intends. Get behind me, temptation, to do this an easier way than what God wants. Get behind me, Satan, when it comes to doing this the way that I see fit, but not the way that my Father desires. Suffering, persecution, even death. So be it if that's what the Father intends. God, I pray for us this morning. The disciples, when they're wrestling with this suffering, you revealed the glory of God. Jesus Christ is... This transfiguration happens. The glory of God is revealed in him. God, I pray for us this day that you reveal your glory in this place. That we can leave God empowered by the spirit of God. That we can leave emboldened by the promise of God. That we can leave trusting that Jesus Christ is absolutely our Lord. In Jesus' name. Let me have the worship team lead us in a chorus. Tanner, can you come up this morning? I don't believe I'm contagious, um, but I have been dealing with sinuses. So I'm going to have Tanner pray with people this morning on my behalf uh, just so I'm not screaming in your face. Um, But this morning, if if God is speaking to your heart, I encourage you to respond to his word. Um, If you need someone to stand with you, uh, Tanner's here. He'll pray with you. Um, If you need someone to just strengthen and encourage you, find someone else in the church. But listen to the words of God. If you need to deny yourself, deny yourself. If you need to take up your cross, that's a place of sacrifice. That's a place of uh, of pain. Pick it up today. Because God's got a kingdom to reveal and it's in you. It's through you. God's got a, a kingdom of God that he wants to take to your home. He's got a kingdom, his kingdom, that he wants to take to your workplace. He's got his kingdom that he wants to take to Walmart. He's got his kingdom that he wants to take to town. He's got his kingdom that he wants to reveal in, in your situation or your families. And you're the ambassador of the kingdom of God. So get in right standing with him so that nothing but the kingdom is revealed through you. Repent. Do we screw up? Yeah, I screw up all the time. You know, sin doesn't define me. When I screw up, I just go back to the cross and I say, God, forgive me of my sin. Yeah, I messed up. It doesn't disqualify me from being an ambassador. It doesn't disqualify me from the work you've called me to do. God, forgive me of my sin. Deny yourself. If you've been pursuing things that aren't God's for your life, deny yourself. Say, no, God, I want to put you first. We have a chance to respond. I encourage you to respond to the Lord this morning.
know, this morning as I was praying, just now, I feel like i got to reiterate. If it's hard, and you've been wondering, don't give up. it's challenging and you've been wrestling but God has called you to this place keep pushing and I also feel like I gotta say hey if everything's great and you're enjoying the plunder (laughs) don't lose sight of him going to continue to let the sanctuary just be a a place of of prayer, a place of just uh, sitting in his presence. If if you need to go this morning, I'm going to dismiss you by saying the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace. And may you be an ambassador of the king. Taking the kingdom of God everywhere you go. Amen? blessed.